It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name's James True Penny. This is my show, and today we catch you up on the first week of the G1 Climax. The True Penny Show has been doing today at the G1 with me. Every day it has been wrestling at the G1 because that's why we called it Today at the G1. See what I did there? Uh, however, we're using our weekend shows to look at some big, a big overview of the tournament and have different opinions other than mine, because I'm sure you're sick of mine by now. So to welcome, welcome to, <laughs> please welcome today's guest, Mr. John Deedsdale of Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine. How are you, sir? I am pretty good. That was a very good impression of Johnny Bravo you did there. I do try. It's going to be a very limited reference to a very limited age group, I feel. Very much so. Uh, now then, the G1 has been started. Has been started. We started at Edion Arena Osaka, uh, 2,400 in attendance of 2,401. Um, 2,401. Was... Well, the can't. The, 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 they're obviously only half filling the halls because of COVID. But they're sounding pretty full, to be honest. Especially later in the week when they got to some of the big weekend shows. Um, this one opened with a Young Lions match of UA Uemura versus Yotosuji, and it was very good from what I remember. It was quite cool. What were your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, you can't hey. go wrong with a good Young Lion match. There's always high energy, high impact. Yotosuji shaved. I do not like that. But, <laughs> I mean, other than that, it's they're always serviceable, and that's something you'll see throughout the entire sort of list of shows we cover as the Young Lions match is always great. Yeah, always a good start. Gives you hope the, for the future. The unofficial C block. <laughs> I'd like Dave Finley to officially hand over the C block trophy that he founded two years ago. Uh, unfortunately, he's not allowed in Japan at the moment. But there you go. Or he probably would have been in this tournament. Um, that's a bit I don't get. It's like the people they pulled into this. You've got Dave Finley, who you've just pushed to the moon with the final, with the tag champion, the, the tag league win. Tag championship win, and then the final of the New Japan Cup USA, but don't bring him in for the for the G1 Climax, is a bit weird. Maybe he didn't want to do it. There's a possibility, but I doubt it. I think he would want to be on this, like, white on rice, but there you go. So, it, the first... Sorry? I was going to say, it probably just depends on the travel. It's a possibility. He might, he might not have been able to get a test in time and things like that. Well, you see, this is the thing. It's like there's one, two, three gays in in this block who all would have had to do 14-day quarantines to get on this card. So, hmm. It does seem like a bit of an oversight. Yeah, I, yeah considering some of the people who got... Anywho, the opening match was Will Ospreay versus Yujiro Takahashi. Poor Yujiro having to deal with this. <laughs> what, a, what a weird choice to open your tournament with. Yeah. One well, of the most hated people in wrestling, Anujiro Takahashi. Like, <laughs> you, you, you talk about shooting yourself in the foot. I've got to say, Huge has had his work boots on this week, and that he got better and better as the week went on. Here, all he had to do was kind of, like, job. And he did that with aplomb, because it's basically where he normally does. It was fine. It wasn't particularly great. Um, it and... was serviceable, but it really wasn't anything outstanding. And then... Osprey has the sort of balls to make it I'm home promo. Yeah. And just like, yeah, please stay there because no one else wants you. 
<laughs> yes, you are home because you're not welcome here. We don't uh, we don't bully people, but friggin' hell. I am talk about torn death. Yeah, we did discuss this last week on Twitter of the fact that if if there was like a new Japan show here, would he even be a face, or would he just people just turn their back on him? Because it's like probably yeah. A New Japan show, right? Rev Pro probably a bit more partisan towards him. But... I was going to say, if you see the reception he gets on the current Rev Pro shows, like Twitter hates him, but like there's still a contingent of people who are still like diehard Osprey supporters. Well, you're always going to get that. I mean, there was a load of that stuff in the WCPW Progress days. WCPW fans used to come down to Progress shows at Manchester just to disrupt things by chanting the, the WCPW names of wrestlers instead of the progress names of wrestlers and booing their faces because they're heels in WCPW. It's like, wow, lads, this is the way you spent chose to spend your 25 quid on this show, spoiling other people's fun. But yeah, it, there's, there is a toxic element to British fandom, which is unreal, but there you go. But yes. It's like it wouldn't be so bad if he, he just had a bit more self-awareness like you did something incredibly shitty people called you out on it you ran away and now you're acting like you own the show again it's like well no you've basically just run away from responsibility yes and uh yeah blocked his uh, deleted his twitter again before this tournament started i can't blame him for that like twitter drives you to do stupid things well, not really. I don't particularly think I've tweeted anything that particularly stupid, but he doesn't he doesn't take criticism well. No. Let's be but it's probably a sensible thing on his part to get rid of that, yeah. But, I did uh, hear a very great take about Osprey from someone I'm friends with, and it's every Osprey match is about Osprey. Oh, yeah. You never, gotcha. you never come away from an Osprey match thinking about how well his opponent did. No, I think there is, I think to an extent, that's a sign of greatness in the sense of, like, you remember Flair's matches, you don't remember how well his opponents did. I suppose, but it's... There's a sense of greatness about that, but there's also a lack of uh, awareness to that as well, like... You talk about a card as great matches, but you know he was in there with Tanahashi or NATO or JY or whoever, and they they were going toe for toe. There's two two to tango, whereas Ospreys do seem to be one man shows. Unless it's a really big like personality like Aromo. It's it's very rare you come away from an Osprey match remembering anything apart from oh yeah Osprey did that again. Hmm. Anywho, let us move on to nicer things. Tai, well, Tai Chi, I suppose. Tai Chi defeated Jeff Cobb, 12 minutes and 47 seconds. Tai Chi also has his work boots on. This was pretty good, actually. Pretty this one, great. Excellent. Well, I, I wouldn't go as far as excellent. <laughs> what do you mean, would... Tai Chi won? It's automatically excellent. God. John is the only person in the Troopany Troopany Show crew who actually likes Tai Chi, by the way. That's about eight or nine wrestling journalists, and and John is the one person who likes Tai Chi. I mean, I'm an outlier in a lot of ways, so this doesn't surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, perfectly good match for Jeff Cobb. Actually worked quite well. Tai Chi has improved no end, I'll be honest, in the last 12 months. 
but yeah it's um yeah it's it, it's good and I, this is the well jeff cobb's the kind of thing like i don't think jeff cobb's bad by any stretch of the imagination but i think you could have done more with the spot with dave finley in that place myself yeah he's he's also a flat earther which just yeah oh That's... really oh you didn't know this Oh, oh, he's, my opinion of him has just gone downhill. He's gone to the AJ Styles class of, well, can you prove it's not flat? You come from Guam and you fly over the Pacific to get to your home state. There you go. <laughs> I mean, he's not reached Flip Garden levels of delusion, but... Flip doesn't want to vote this year because it only encourages people. <laughs> I don't think I swear Flip's doing it for attention at this point. Like the first two opinions, sure, you're echoing the sentiments of other wrestling idiots. Yeah. The no voting one came so far out of left field. I'm pretty sure he's just trying to like make himself relevant. Well, his wrestling hasn't done that for a good twelve months. But there we go. Anyway, back to Tai Chi and Jeff Cobb. Perfectly good wrestling matchup. Didn't dis didn't despair over it. It was very good. I thought it was quite cool. I like Jeff Cobb in his wrestling world. It's like the, I like the, his style the, of wrestling. Yeah, it's really... It lends itself well to other styles as well, because obviously he can be a big man or he can be a fast big man. He doesn't... And depending on the opponent, he can ramp up which bit he needs. Like in this one, he was doing more of the big man stuff, but since Tai Chi can't do fast big man stuff, I've just really dumbed down wrestling there, haven't I? No, I don't know. I think you've made it accessible. It's like, how do you teach a two-year-old about wrestling? Well, you've got a big man and a little man. And the little man will be fast and the big man will be strong. But then again, the big man's also fast and I've just confused the life out of you. <laughs> no, it was good. I thought this was pretty good. But not right. as good as Minoru Suzuki versus Tomohiro Ishii. Oh, oh. amazing. This is just awesome. I think someone said that I, I can't remember. Someone said that what what wrestling the only wrestling we need to watch is middle aged men hitting each other very hard. Snowboarding. Yeah, this is it. This is absolutely perfectly it. This is what New Japan should all be about. Tomohiro Ishii, Minoru Suzuki throwing forearms for twenty minutes and, and not much else. Especially when you've got like a quiet arena, because you can just hear every sickening thud. It's just, oh. oh, it's brutal. It wasn't this match today, but Suzuki was wrestling. Who was he wrestling today? Jeff Cobb. And he laid in, I won't spoil the result for you, but he laid in a forearm and I've never heard, it was like a gunshot going off. It was like, oh my God. I hope Jeff Cobb had gritted his teeth before he did that. <laughs> just broken his jaw in half. Right, Suzuki, as I said on Twitter today, the sound of Suzuki throwing forearms is the music of my people. It it it's the national anthem for wrestling. Like just, there is no one who scares me more than Suzuki. And there's that one moment where Ishii knocks him down, and Suzuki just stares into the camera, and then all of a sudden the tongue's out, and he's just playing the pervert angle again. Just like, oh god, he gets off on it. <laughs> I do. And Ishii was brilliant in this as well. Ishii's, again, wound it up for the G1, been in top form all week, not been winning much. However, 
this was a brilliant, brilliant performance. And Tommy Hiroishi is worth the price of admission alone. I'd stand there and watch him wrestle broomstick and be very, very happy. Ishii can't have a bad match. It's, it's no, not. It's a statistical impossibility that Ishii can have a bad match. Because... He does well. I will say he doesn't do well with people who are a similar style to him. Like um, Togi Makabe is a good example. I mean, it's somebody who's got a very similar style to him. He's not absolutely perfect, but anyone who deviates like this, because Suzuki's a striker, fair enough, but it's all about ground submission, and that gives something Ishii something to work with, so he can go for it, and that's the reason why you have great matches with uh, Kenny Omega, and he's had great matches in the past with other wrestlers who are different from him. Smash Mouth doesn't always necessarily guarantee perfect wrestling, but it's damn close. This was just one of the matches that actually stuck with me. Because I was just like, oh, they just, they just brutalized each other. That's it. It was just slug, 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 death. Next up was Jay White versus Shingo Takagi in another barnstormer. I really enjoyed this matchup. This was fantastic. And White pulling out a victory from the seemingly from the jaws of defeat. 19 minutes and 28 seconds. So nice to have Jay White back, isn't it? Never thought I'd say that being a chaos guy, but... You can't replace him. He has a very specific role in New Japan, and he does it perfectly. Yes, he he is. I Arguably, he's the best heel in wrestling today, worldwide. And, you know, no one really tops him for that. And this was this was just brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. And Shingo, again, just another brilliant performance. Well, Shingo's near enough the same as Ishii to me in that you put him in a match with almost anyone, and it will work. Because yeah. He's just, he knows how to adapt. Like, he will play up whichever part you need to play up. And a lot like, of it, here, he had the clear, um, like, strength advantage, so he was knocking white about. Yeah. I mean, and also, a lot of that comes from his days in Dragon Gate, where he's wrestling guys who are literally half his size and making them look realistic threats to him. And he's brilliant at that. He's brilliant with smaller guys. He's brilliant with bigger guys when he can really go toe-to-toe with them. And Jay White's kind of like the ideal thing because Jay White isn't a junior heavyweight, but he's not far off. And he wrestles in a kind of a heavyweight style, so it's kind of like the ideal opponent for Shingo Takagi, really. They both rely on like very excessive power moves. Mm. Like Takagi is a lot, like, a lot more strike-happy, but when it comes down to it, You've got White with the key where you crush the Blade Runner, the regal plex he's doing now that looks like it just folds people up like accordions, and it's... They just meshed brilliantly. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of people who mesh really well, Kota Ibushi and Kazuchika Okada. I could wrestle to watch these two wrestle all week. I'm not sure Kota Ibushi's neck could manage that. <laughs> However, this was brilliant. Again, this was a really strong night for the opening night. I mean, looking back at it, and ignoring Davy Boy, every match block on this match scored, everything on this card scored five or higher from the cage match guys. Minoru Suzuki and Ishii got 9.10. White and Takagi got 7.85. And this main event, I think, was slightly underscored at 7.61 because this was brilliant. This was absolutely outstanding work for both wrestlers. Because uh, it's Yurikada and Kotribushi. <sighs> Just. I, not enough can be said for both of them. Obushi is a little crazy, but he has toned it down in recent years to become a more viable heavyweight worker, and I think it fits him really, really well. 
and a card is back on top form again. I think this is this was just this was just great. Uh, I don't know what you think. Again, it's one of those combos that just works. Like it's a proven commodity. They've got past encounters and the stories you can tell with them and a lot of people seem to be thinking, oh yeah, Okada's is missing a step here. And you could see that in a way, but it's not until after you've watched the match, because those two have a way of just drawing you in. You forget about anything outside, you're just watching the match. You're like, okay, who? Because it's a 50 50 with this one. Okada's yeah. like still the chosen son of New Japan, and Ibushi's sort of like the wild card. He could take a win at any moment type yeah. of guy. So that. That instantly just sort of sucks you in. And then when you've got the sort of action that you've got, it's hard to sort of focus on anything outside of that. Yeah. As I yeah. said, I checked Twitter after that match, and everyone was just like, oh, Okada really wasn't on his air game there. There was a lot of stuff he missed. There was a lot of stuff he didn't do. And it's like, well, yeah, because he's trying to be a different Okada at the moment. He's not throwing a brain maker in Christ knows how long. No, he's trying to he's trying to change his game. He's got to get back to the top of the card. He's telling a story of, I've got to change what I'm doing because I'm not good enough. I couldn't beat NATO, so therefore I have to figure out how to beat NATO, and I'm not going to do it doing the same things I've always done. But I think, that, I think that's the thing. New Japan heavyweights develop at a much slower rate. When anybody that tries to do a change or tries to do something different, People don't like it because they like what they're used to. Does it make sense? Yeah, it's like when um, we had Brock Harder when yeah. he was doing the whole balloon gimmick. That that was fun, but you could tell something was wrong. With this, it's a lot more subtle in a way. It's yeah. like he's, he's overcoming learning pains with new moves and new styles of things, so it's not going perfectly well, especially when you've got someone who's like as sort of perfectly well-rounded as Abushi is. Yeah, there's a point to what he's doing. And also, Abushi didn't beat the full Okada onslaught. He didn't get a pile-driven. He didn't get Rainmakered. He beat him before Okada got to that. Which is a different story to tell again. You know, he still hasn't kicked out of the Rainmaker. How long did the Omega... The Omega didn't, never kicked out of the Rainmaker, did he? I don't think. Uh, all- no, I think he... Did he kick out once? Because they were they hyped him up as the first person to ever kick out of the Rainmaker. Yeah, but you know but what I mean. It's yeah, a very but... loose record. There is not. There's barely anyone that's kicked out of it. And Omega couldn't get the One Winged Angel on a card for like a year. <laughs> so you know, the, the, this this subtleties and nuances you have to pick up with this. Well, anyway, let's move on to night two. Yotosuji. Defeated Gabriel Kidd in 9 minutes and 15 seconds. I like Gabriel Kidd a lot. He's lovely. And I think Yotosuji is awesome. And I think I see a little more in Gabriel Kidd because he's a bit more of a well-rounded pro who's been at it a lot longer. But I think Yotosuji is going to be something special too. What do you think of these two? I, As I said, I knew of Gabriel Kidd when he was wrestling on the British circuit. He was great then and he's going to be great again because... He's reached the point in the sort of young lion system where he can start busting out his own moves more, yeah. and so we're starting to see those come back. Like, I think it's it's the next cool. night he breaks out something that just looks amazing. Yeah, it's 
he did Japanese commentary did start talking about comparisons to Billy Robinson and the Lancashire style because Ooh, Japanese nice. Japanese for Lancashire is Lancashire. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, yeah. that's, that's something I love about the Japanese language. They've got so many unique words, and then occasionally you'll just hear one thing that's like dead English, and you're like, "Oh, so that's what they're talking about." Yeah, there you go. It's like with certain names. Well, yeah, Billy Robinson and Lancashire do stick out like a on the Japanese commentary. But there you go. As I said, I was watching the English commentary. So Billy Robinson, hero of uh, Make Us Unmore. The reason why she went to become a wrestler, she saw she saw Billy Robinson as a kid. There you go. Oh damn! She told me that herself. What's happening? Yeah. Over DMs on Twitter, as we had a conversation back and forth through Google as Translate. Anyway, <laughs> Juice Robinson versus Yoshihashi. Two guys looking to make some moves in Block B. They opened up, and actually, this was a far better opener than it should have been. Four and three and a half stars, I thought it was better than that. Juice Robinson, Yoshihashi, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think it's really good, and Yoshihashi is not wasting his opportunity. He came out all guns blazing all week, and uh, it showed in this. Juice Robinson does, did say that afterwards that he knows that uh, Yoshihashi will be forever uh, Osaka's number one sweet boy, uh, but he feels that he, he can, take, can take that title for a short while. <laughs> See, when I saw these two come out as the first match of the night, my heart kind of sank. I was just like, oh, this is going to suck. Because I'm not but, a big fan of Juice. Like, I'm really not. He's... I... <laughs> It's it's not that I don't like him as such. It's just his style's very sort of generic. It's it's not particularly engaging to me. But like, they they did have a really nice match. Once you ignore the fact that Juice Robinson looks like he's just escaped from a trailer park. It's if you have not seen it, Juice Robinson came out dressed as Joliet Jake Blues of the Blues Brothers, eh, but with a lot more sequins going on. Why is he wrestling in a wife beater? It just doesn't look right. <laughs> well, uh, I, yeah, I suppose if he actually just wore a suit and took it off, it looked like he was a member of LIJ. So I can understand that point. But I think he should have gone the whole hog and driven out in a police sedan, 1970s, battered 1970s police sedan. That would be my view. I don't think the arena's big enough to accommodate that. <laughs> But yeah, this this was way better than I expected it to be, and as you said, Yoshihashi's really stepped it up a bit. Yeah. I mean, I wish he'd step it up a bit with his entrance. He takes about three minutes just to get to the ring, but like... Oh, he didn't on night four, but we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> it's It genuinely was way better than expected. Again, it's just one of these sort of moments where the styles work nicely. And especially when you've got someone who's like as hyperactive as Juice that you can grind down and slow down a bit with the butterfly lock and things like that, you can structure a match probably around that. And that's something Yoshihashi's good with, structure. Because, you know, despite everyone loving to shit on him, if you give him the sort of keys to make a match he tends to make a pretty decent match like I'll still go back to the time he had a G1 match with Okada and it was the first time I'd ever given a damn about Yoshihashi in a match 
because it was structured in a way that you could believe Yoshihashi might pull out one of the biggest wins of his career. He yeah. didn't, but the belief was there. And that's kind of Yoshihashi's strong point, belief. Yeah, exactly. That's the, the that's what it says on his ties, always get up. So Maybe that's... you could say the same thing about Juice Robinson, considering how many times he's lost sort of things only to win them back. He's a lovable loser kind of wrestler, really. They both are. We've got pieces of a pod. They're never going to have... I don't see either of them being IWGP heavyweight champions. But they're going to win the US title and then a rope and weight title and have long runs with it and sneak out victories here and there and grow as wrestlers and then lose it, which is like what happened to Juice, lost it to a bigger name. But yeah, it was an interesting match, certainly. And of course, next we have match of the tournament Toriyano versus Sonata. Uh, Toriyano wins by count out in six minutes and 16 seconds. For some reason, the cage match users have only given it 4.52. And I frankly am appalled. That's such a great but a great level of pure wrestling that we saw in this match. Only kidding. It was, of course, a Toriano comedy match, as it was. And Sonata's kind of the perfect guy for that, because he's so deadpan. And, and it worked. It was fun. Uh, he actually played a lot. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. It was all right. What did you think of this? See, this match was greatly improved for me, because you had uh, Rocky Romero on the English commentary, and he's just gone, he's gone full PTSD mode. Over that time, he was put in the Paradise Lock. See, I've been watching on the Japanese commentary because I've been doing the G1 today, and obviously the, the English commentary doesn't happen until a couple of days later. So I've been listening on the Japanese commentary, and it's been it's been very cool, actually. It's been very cool listening to Jushin Liger and uh, Milano Collection AT and all those guys. It's, they're, they're very excited. <laughs> just, there was so much to enjoy here because like, Sonata tried to play his own game. Yano was having none of it. So Sonata tries to play his own game with Yano's toys. That doesn't work. So they go outside and just Yano tapes him up and wins again. Again, like, outsmarted again. You'd think at this point, just, just don't go near young lions. Because <laughs> Yano will tape you to them. Or immovable objects generally. Oh, so the next up was Hiroki Goto losing in 17 minutes and 15 seconds to Kenta. This was alright. It wasn't as good as it could have been, I think. It's I enjoyed this a lot more than other people because Goto wasn't allowed to have a Goto match. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing. Kenta's job is kind of spoiler. He kind of works a match in the sense of just stopping other people's momentum. And that's that's a brilliant story, baseline story to tell in any match that you have. And Goto needs needs kind of like a, a strong layout of like where things are going to hit. So if you disrupt that, it makes it jar, but it makes it jar in a good way. And Goto's kind of, again, he's kind of like a, a good opponent for Kenta. He's a bit bigger. He's an immovable object. He's much more powerful. So it becomes Kenta trying to figure out how to get past Goto. And I think that's really interesting to watch. But it wasn't quite as crisp as it could have been, I don't think. Yeah, they went all in on the sort of submission angle of this sort yeah. of match because Kent was like, right, I'm going to beat him with the game over. Like, I'm not even going to be subtle about it. You're getting submitted, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it was Goto doing everything to avoid that, even having to play into the submission game himself. Like, you still got the heavy hitting side of things. You got plenty of strikes, plenty of kicks. Plenty of wince inducing moments, and then here you are seeing Goto pull out submissions, something you'd 
not really you don't really remember he can actually do. Yeah. yeah. No, All because he's not allowed to sell death and come back. <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was, it was good, but it, it could have been a bit crisper. That's what my only kind of like knock on it. I mean, you know, Goto's a lot of fun to watch. Big fans of Goto at the Tribune show. Uh, both Chrissy and um, Marcus Green do love, their, do love them some Goto. So, yeah. Uh, next up was Zack Sabre Jr. versus Evil. Zack Sabre Jr. working as a babyface in this particular conundrum of a match. 15 minutes and 54 seconds. And, and Zack did what he could with Evil. It, it's, it's a tricky kind of thing when you've got a submission guy against a guy who's kind of a spot-based guy. And, you know, I've seen it work really well in different, different formats. But Evil isn't the guy I would put about Zack Sabre Jr. as first-choice opponents. He's not, had I, some really great matches in the past. Well, obviously, we're dealing with a new evil now. Yeah, and he's not... He's limited his moveset because he's a bad guy. I think this worked perfectly serviceably well, but it could have been better. Well, they they played the sort of the babyface gets pummeled until the very last minute type of match. Yeah. Like, Zack got very limited amounts of sort of offense in this. It was... It was a very different sort of match compared to what they'd done in the past where it was evil being completely outdone mm. by Zack. It was like evil's turn to do oh, that. And yeah. obviously they had Dick Togo helping out. Yeah, it was it was good. And it was a good performance from Zack. And yeah, it was interesting to watch. But I think they'll be better for both of them in the tournament. And then yeah. Tetsuya Nato versus Hiroshi Tanahashi attempted to end each other's career for the umpteenth time in the last five years and did a fairly good job of it. 27 minutes and 16 seconds of another breathtaking classic from New Japan's two favourite sons. Can't say any more about these two, really, at the moment. Nato is arguably the best worker in the world, male worker in the world right now. Tanahashi, though he is slowing down, is still worth the price of admission. And yeah, it was just brilliant watching these two go at it one more time in New Japan's biggest arena. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm breaking your rule here because this was fucking awesome. Like, just <laughs> totally. The amount of times, like, you gasp in horror at what they've done. It's like, right, let's just break each other's <laughs> knees. Like, we've both got dodgy knees. We're both kind of hobbling let's just keep going it's like if if you're still standing i haven't done a good enough job and oh man the the bloody high fly floor to the floor the sound it made just it sounded like they'd hit bloody concrete it was just horrifying (laughs) and yeah ironically enough my first introduction to both of these guys was in was when they faced each other at one of the Wrestle Kingdoms. Yeah. I think it was Wrestle Kingdom 11. Like the the one that had the big Omega Arcada match that everyone sort of broke down over. Yeah. That's what, that's what got me into New Japan, hearing about that match. And obviously before that, you had Tanahashi versus Naito for the IC title. And this yeah. reminded me a lot of that match because it was just... 
balls to the wall insanity. It was. The, these two cannot pull these matches out very often. And there's a reason why Tanahashi has been hobbling for the last six months. As I called him in my list of honest G1 names, Limpy. Um, <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was um, yeah, it, it's just... <sighs> These two don't know any other way, and they don't feel like they've had a wrestling match unless they've given it their all. And there's some old-school philosophy behind that. Uh, but equally, it's best to keep them apart so they can do it as often as you can. And they don't wrestle each other very often anymore because Tanahashi isn't main event level anymore. Which oh. is a sad thing when you think about it. Yeah, it is like Tanahashi is a broken-down mess, and he's still better than like 80% of wrestlers on the planet. <laughs> it's because he understands his limitations. Yeah, that's it. This is he's growing old gracefully, and you could still give him a run with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and he'd be perfectly serviceable in that role. In fact, he'd still have one of the best title runs ever. But he understands you've got to give other guys a chance, otherwise the company doesn't go forward, and they've got to take him out the picture slowly. And as they have been doing over the last two or three years. You know, Okada had the ball, and now it's NATO. And NATO's the right guy to do it with. He's he's still a brilliant wrestler. I'm not sure how long he can last at this pace, though. I think he's going to be taking a sort of New Japan dad role soon. Just the limited sort of schedule and interactions, just because it'll be better for him. It's like... Uh, for NATO. <laughs> you are, you meant for NATO, sorry. I'm... <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think they're going to do it with Naito for another two or three years yet, but certainly down actually yet. He Naito, be... I always worry about because, like, he is so broken. It's it's kind of questionable to watch him sometimes. Like, has he actually got knees left? Not really. And But it's... he said he said in interviews in Japan that if I've only got three years left and I've only got three years left, I will go as hard as I can for those three years. So he isn't slowing down. Which is good, because I don't want him to. He's bloody amazing. It's just, sometimes I've got... It's the Randy the Ram situation. You're yeah. Like, I want you to... You want to be as best as you can for as long as you can. But at the same time, it's like you want to give it your all, no matter like how banged up you are. See, this is... Yeah, as long as Naito doesn't take himself out, I'm happy for him to continue wrecking his knees for as long as he wants because I enjoy watching it. This is the thing, I think, you know, you look at someone like Minoru Suzuki or even Zack Sabre Jr., they can wrestle that style at 72 years old and they'll still have compelling, interesting main event level matches because they know how to make a match work with their style, but their style is low impact, their style is low risk. Where everything Naito does is high risk and he slowed down a lot. He's a better wrestler now than he was five or six years ago, but he isn't taking the risks he was taking five or six years ago. Well, no, because if he didn't, he would be probably either in a wheelchair or dead. (laughs) Anywho, let us move on to night three. We were at Hokkaido Perpetual Sports Center in Sapporo. Gabriel Kidd versus Yui Uemura, seven is 21 seconds, was a bit of a corker. And as you said, Gabriel Kidd delivered a finisher that was demolished, Iwamura. Yeah, that double arm suplex had more air on it than I don't know what. Like, it's the, the way billion... they sort of shot it, it looked like it was going to hit the bloody lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's, he's been given a lot more British-style uh, escapes and stuff. 
Like I've noticed that's as well. Is there's there's a, there's a sense of Johnny Saint behind what he's doing, if you see what I mean. Yeah, they've realised what they want to do with him, and this he sort of even down to the stripey bloody socks. Did you notice that? Yes. Well, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think young lions tend to wear socks most of the time. So I kind of just noticed them sticking out of his boots, and I'm like, they're going all in on this British stuff, aren't they? Well, I did notice that he also was allowed knee pads because young lions don't tend to be allowed knee pads. But if you're doing a lot of submission and stuff, it's a good idea to have knee pads. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think he's past the young lion phase. I think they figured out what they're going to do with him. But we shall see what happens. I was going to would... say none of them really feel like young lions anymore, do they? Like they've all got their own distinctive styles. Like yeah, Suji's I mean the power guy. Amura's the sort of hybrid type guy and kid's going to be the submission guy. Umura's has gone off to the States and come back again, hasn't he? I think. Did he go did... to... I think he did a stint. Did he do a stint in LA? He did the LA yeah. dose well, yeah. So, yeah. So I think he's gone and come back, but I don't think it was like a proper excursion excursion. It was just go and have some time with them lads over there and see what you can learn kind of thing. That's where Narita is now, isn't he? They sent him over to LA, didn't they? Yeah, they did, yeah. So we shall see anyway. Uh but yeah, but I think Red Narita's stint is he'll probably spend some time in Ring of Honor and CMLL as well. I think he's gone gone. Whereas I'm not sure what they're doing with him more. By the way, did you know this? Back in the day, I just thought I'd mention this, when they sent people on excursion, they weren't under contract. That's that's evil. <laughs> Yeah, they just they were just like go find matches. It's <laughs> is, is, like ring up Max Crabtree and go. We've got this lad. Book him some matches. After that, he's on his own, and they'd have to make their own way for two years and then come back. And a lot of wrestlers didn't go back to New Japan. They went to All Japan instead. <laughs> oh, like... I mean, that's I can kind of understand that when you've just been thrown into the wind. Yeah, it's like sure, you've got to stand on your own two feet, but I mean. Don't yeah. take away their bloody lifeline if you throw them into the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Whereas now, they're actually on full contract. And I know that Jay White um, was apparently earning more than anyone else in Ring of Honor <laughs> when he was doing his Ring of Honor stint, which is hilarious. But there you go. Um, right, moving on then. First night, oh, sorry, not first night, second night of Block A matches. Jeff Cobb and Shingo Takagi had a banger. 11 minutes and 44 seconds. They tried to knock seven bells out of one another. And it was an entertaining 11 minutes and 44 seconds. What's your thoughts on this one, John? This match hurt my soul. <laughs> Why? Because Cobb won. Oh, okay. That's understandable. But we all like, want Shingo to win all the time, though. I don't like Takagi going 2-0 down already. Because it just feels like he's going to be stuck under losses the whole tournament. <laughs> like, yeah, it feels like they've prematurely given him the Ishii role, where he's going to make everyone else look amazing and then just lose. Which, if they do, I'm going to be very disappointed. Ishii's in the same block though. So, oh, so... they're going to fight each other at some point, and I'm going to be very, yeah. very happy. I think they're very, the... very conflicted. Yeah, I think they put them in there for for the obvious reasons of like they had a cracking match last year, so let's put them in the same block again. Again, okay. yeah, this this worked perfectly because it was two big, fast, big men trying to kill each other. Yeah, it's... it was it was good. Three, three, uh, six point nine seven from the cage match users, which is underselling it. I feel. 
Kazuchi... they're, they're just like me. The wrong person won, so they're not happy. <laughs> Kazuchi Kurakada defeated Yujiro Takahashi for the 3,745th time this summer. I Well, they had to wrestle each other because they were in the same block, but I'm sick of these two together. It was okay. It, Yujiro actually tried. He actually put a work rate in, but it's Yujiro versus Okada, and it's just never going to be great because it's never going to be great. But it was all right. It wasn't dreadful, but they, not good enough. They should just give up trying to make Yujiro look like a credible threat against Okada. Yeah. It's like, have him get controlled by interference, have him be a dickhead, and then have him lose. Don't make it look like one movie did suddenly knocked Okada loopy and then yeah he took it. It doesn't work like that. We're not, we're not buying it. We <laughs> like wrestling relies on the suspension of belief, sure, but I can't suspend it that far. No, I, I can't suspend when the guy's been carried by Chase Owens for the last three years. Then I can't suspend it that far. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Next up, was being t- a bit of a prick, I really miss Chase Owens. Yeah, the, the the allegations of sexual assault with mine is probably not, but there you go. Yeah, that's that's the bit that saddens me. Mm. Yes. Anywho, um, Tai Chi defeated Minoru Suzuki in 12 minutes and 11 seconds in by far the most interesting match on this card. It wasn't great technically. However, it told an interesting story because obviously Suzuki did not want to lose to his junior especially not Tai Chi, um, and was absolutely livid when he did. Uh, but this was a really interesting match, and it was a really well-told story. It was a bit scrappy, because it's a suzuki gun match, and they're always a bit scrappy. But it was interesting to watch. Your thoughts, sir? One of the best matches of the tournament. And I'm going to get so much heat for saying that. Like, oh, I... So I tell you what's going to happen in the next matchup. Anyway, carry on. It's like, I watched... Um... I watched this match and then I tri- checked the tri- Twitter reception because there's a few people I like to get the opinions of. Yeah. And um, one of them literally just said that was that match made me embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. And I watched <laughs> and I'm just like, it wasn't bad. Come on. This was great because uh, not every wrestling match has to be about the wrestling. No, no. In this instance, it was Suzuki doing everything he could to not lose to Tai Chi and failing because Tai Chi is just too much of a dick to let that happen. Yeah. You had the action spill everywhere, the Suzuki gun, stereotypical brawl shenanigans, weapon spots, chalk outs, strike fests. Like, Tai Chi didn't even make a big deal of ripping the trousers off. He literally just did it and started kicking Suzuki. It was... It was it a was... scrap survival. That was, that's what Tai Chi had to do with. He had to survive. He didn't need to win this. He needed to stay alive. And then the big finish was so damn well done. Because it's like, oh, this is it. He's got the gotch. Tai Chi's out of it. Also, oh my god, he's just reversed it into Black Mephisto. He's won? What the f... Yes. Like, I genuinely couldn't believe I had just seen Tai Chi beat Minoru Suzuki. Like, I know nearly every tournament that Suzuki's in, there's usually a shock person gets win over Suzuki. Like, Hangman Page, one year, everyone was surprised he beat Suzuki. This this had the same energy, because you just kind of like, did, did that just happen? Yeah, because, no. Really. Because 
everyone is so quick to sort of instantly assume Tai Chi is going to lose. Yeah. But the best thing is, this means that they're probably going to fight again. And it's probably going to be for higher stakes as well. For the title. Possibly, I would also suggest for the leadership of Suzuki Gun. But we will see what happens. Next up, Billy Emotion Spray defeated Tomohiro Ishii in 18 minutes and 20 seconds. This match was not as good as people think it is. It was a scrappy mess for the good 15 minutes. It was only the closing stretch that saved it. And the fact that Dave Meltzer gave it four and a half stars shows you how good a friend he is of William Ospreay's. And I'm not completely... The cage match usually is usually spot on, but 8.69 seems a bit much for me, to be honest with you. Again, it's it's the power of Ishii carrying people to good matches. It was. it, it's. I agree. It's been quite overblown, but it's as much as we like to shit on him. Osprey is a good wrestler. Oh yeah. <laughs> and if you put two good wrestlers in a match, you're going to probably get a good match, and that's why we got here. It was good, not great. Yeah. Not great. Good. good, and the tone was all wrong. It was. Just well, for a start, calling Ishii a little bitch when he's your stable mate and is well known as your senpai and tends to be the guy that tends to look after you in New Japan. Just it, oof. it's it like if you're like gonna go for trying heel, to do this freaking pseudo heel shit and it's not working, no, everyone already thinks you're a dick, you don't need to prove it. Yeah, this is it. This is like this is not the way you should be going. And it just, it was just, and then there was blown spots, it was scrappy, it was messy, and then eventually it managed to find a pace, but it was, it took a long time. It wasn't as good as these two should have put out, to be honest. It's like, I'm fine with matches getting scrappy, it adds a real, an element of realism to it. And seeing Osprey hit Ishii with a Gonzo bomb, that yeah. was quite bloody something. Yeah. Like, yeah. there was a lot to enjoy here, but as you said, the tone just didn't feel right because. Osprey shouldn't be dominating Ishii. That's no. that's not how. Like, sure, he's younger than Ishii, possibly stronger than Ishii. He's taller than Ishii, but that's that's not what we want from an Ishii match. No, like it... we're here to see him chop you in the throat, sell a bunch of your stuff, and then hopefully drop you on your head. Like, yeah. And I think this scrappy in the sense like Tai Chi versus Minoru Suzuki is scrappy because they're both scrappy in this particular context. But scrappy in this context for Ishii and, I- and Osprey was blown spots. That's not good. <laughs> it's, it's not like, a sense of realism. It's just like it just wasn't working. We know Ishii can do scrappy matches because he had that absolute belter against Moxley. Yeah. Where well, he this, flew. Yeah. Let's not forget Ishii flew. <laughs> off the top rope of Kurikan Paul. That was like a fridge falling on Mox. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, this match really didn't do as well as it should have. Yeah. And I don't know who's at fault for it. It just seems like there was a lot of communication errors. Which are two guys who've worked together so closely for, for so long and tagged together for so long and been good friends for so long, you wouldn't have thought it would be any who. Maybe Ishii just doesn't like being called a little bitch. Who'd have thought it? Wrong possibility. Anyway, main event. Jay White defeats Coach Ibushi in 20 minutes and 28 seconds in another corker. Oh, these two are made for each other again, aren't they? 
they're just brilliant. The absolute pure white meat babyface Kotobushi against the complete black hat wearing heel of Jay White, and I just love it. It's just good. It, it just works so perfectly. Yes, it does not have to be complicated. These guys get it and do it really well, and that was great. It's like that entire clapping bit at the start with White. He's just like, come on, cheer for him. I know you want to. He's just there mocking the clapping, and it's so damn superbly done because he knows for a fact they're not going to be able to respond, and he's just continuously winding them up about it. It's... Yeah. Basic stuff like that adds so much to a match because you've basically taken away half of Ibushi's element because the fans can't really rally him on as such because all they can do is clap and stamp and that only has a limited effect. Yeah, exactly. And then you take away his knees. It's just like, it was really damn well crafted together because if it was just a straight up wrestling match, White would get his ass handed to him. It's part of Ibushi. <laughs> Yeah. The guy'd probably kick your head off, play football with it, and then cram it down your neck. It's <laughs> so what do you do? You take away his kicks. Yeah. Now Wabushi's not always the best at selling leg stuff, but here he tried. Yeah, and it works really, really well. The sympathy for Ibushi is always going to be great. This is the thing though. Ibushi isn't that much younger than Tanash. <laughs> Ibushi's so... like thirty nine, isn't he? Yeah, you know, he's he's like he just looks young. He's not actually that young. All um, the pictures on the site are just Ibushi getting dropped on his head. Which is something he does on a regular basis and probably should sort that out. I mean, at least he didn't have access to fireworks. True. Absolutely true. Also, right. that um, bastard driver he did, or attempted, where White was wiggling out, so he's just like, all right, and just dumped White on his head. Oh, God. <laughs> that was ugly. It was. Oh, by the way, if you want the full rundown of the fireworks story, um, if you go back into the archives to a couple of G1s ago, or about six or five, six, three or four G1s ago, uh, Emily from uh, FWA, and she was booking that show, gives you the entire rundown of how Kotrabushi <laughs> went about the idea of setting himself on fire with fireworks. He's done it so many times, though. Like, the the famous clip of him at a UK show where he's just stood on the hood of a car. That's with that's firework. Emily, you know Emily and Dan Reed from Parasongi? Yeah. They also booked FW, uh, FWA UK. Oh, so there was, they, they booked him. And uh, Dan and Emily both uh, have been guests on this show. So there you go. Just, All right, next. Next night was back at Hakada Prefectural Sports in Jameson Sapporo, uh, 1920 at this show. Yota Suji defeated Yue Uemura 8 minutes and 13 seconds. And Yota getting a win because he hadn't had a win though so far this week. This was very good. Oh, no, he, beat, he beat Gabriel Kidd on the first night, didn't he? So, yeah, I like Yota Suji. He's a big, big, big dude. And I like the way he, he's going to be a big horse wrestler, I think. He just needs his beard back. I'm not sure. I like him clean-shaven. I don't. It doesn't look right. I'm that used to him having a beard. It's like, what? I could get used to the long hair, but the loss of the beard, no. No. <laughs> Aesthetics make the wrestler to me. Fair enough. Okay, then we'll move on to the next match. Hiroki Goto defeats Sonata in 11 minutes and 3 seconds in the story of two wrestlers who don't seem to be going anywhere in this tournament. So far. 
Remember, Sonata's had good finishes. He's finished on 11, 12, and 14 points, and he's on zero, so he's got a lot of catching up to do. Goto takes his former winner, Goto. He won in 2011, I think. So, you know, he's got he's got a, a long way to go to get back to his normal standards. But, yeah, 11 minutes and three seconds, they've kind of got, got to get a move on now. It was a good enough match. Like, sort of standings aside, they still got on a pretty nice match. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Like, it's, now, it's not one you can talk about at great length, but it was fun. Yeah, no, it was, it was Sonada doing his Sonada thing, Goto doing his Goto thing, and it worked perfectly well. It was some nice counter work, but like for the most part, it was just them both in their elements. Next up was Toriyano versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Seven minutes and 15 seconds of a wrestling epic. Actually, you actually had wrestling matches. There's wrestling stuff in it because Tanahashi tried to have a crack at former amateur schools champion Toriyano in, in an amateur wrestling contest and Yano ran rings around him. <laughs> so. It was- so good. Yeah. Like people actually forget Toriano is actually a bit of a double hard bastard. He has a two and record in mixed martial arts. He's a wrestling <laughs> genius. He just he's a double wrestling genius because he doesn't have to wrestle half the time and get paid for it. Yeah. He is clearly earning six hundred thousand dollars a year for doing Nafal. And I think that makes him the greatest wrestler in the world today. He definitely is one of the best because he makes comedy shtick work so damn well. Yeah, especially in such a straight-laced environment like New Japan Pro Wrestling. He wrestled blindfolded as well. And won! Like, <laughs> that, that was the funniest thing because he's like, oh, I found the ref, right? Is that is that someone grabbing my back? Cool, I'm going to kick law. And he won <laughs> on a low-blow roll-up <laughs> on Tanahashi in yeah. less than 10 minutes. Blindfolded, oh. like <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Every time you think there's nothing he can do with his shtick, he's done everything he can do. He comes up with something different, and it's, it's just like, like, like Tanahashi sort of did something amazing as well by giving a dragon screw to the fucking turnbuckle pad and sending him flying. <laughs> oh, Who yeah. thinks of that? It's because oh. these best wrestling IQ ever. I think. I don't know. Yeah, just genius. Absolute genius. See, that's another thing that makes Tanahashi one of the best wrestlers on the planet. He just plays along with anything. You want him to be a bad guy? He'll be a bad guy. You want him to be a good guy? He'll be a good guy. You want him to play a comedy match? He will give you his all in a comedy match. Oh, dear. Right. And he wasn't afraid to lose, either. No, no. He don't mind losing. No one minds losing to Toriyano except John Moxley, who's afraid of him. I mean, that... Talk about a way to end a streak. Just tied to shorter Umino. Oh. <laughs> I won't get everyone was predicting it would happen. And we all thought, nah, they can't have that, surely. Actually, but you know what's, you know what's going to happen the next time Mox and Yano meet in a match? Mox is just going to drop him with a paradigm shift. Because it's just how you know he'd act. I... I... I, I think you'd be very wary going into the match, to be honest. And I think it should be for both the United States and AEW championships, myself. Oh, God, Toriano. As AEW. I think Tony Khan should get on that. I mean... Toriano defending against Orange Cassidy. Oh. Nothing, he wouldn't, neither of them would move for 10 minutes, and it'd be the most entertaining thing you'd ever seen. 
They're just sort of slowly walking around each other. Yeah, yeah. I was unrolling a, a t- like a roll of wrestling tape. Cassidy's <laughs> just got his hands in his pockets. Yeah. And then they just have the world's softest kick fest. Ah, <laughs> uh, it'd be great. Anyway, moving on. Juice Robinson versus Genta was actually a bit of a serious affair. They've had this on and off again relationship since their days in NXT. And as Kenta explained in the post match interview, he said, I have it's something along the lines of, I have respect for Juice because we were in the same place and we didn't get where we were supposed to go. But it doesn't matter where you are, it's what you do. And he said, That's, I think it was kind of not a tip of the hat to Juice for doing the things he's done to get to the places he's going to go. You know, and this is kind of a. There was a bit more going on with this matchup than Juice's previous match, and I appreciated that. It's never going to be a classic with Juice and Kenta because their styles don't really match, but it was an interesting story to tell, and Juice gets the win, which, of course, puts him in the line for a tight shot of that there briefcase in Kenta's possession to get another shot at John Moxley in the US Heavyweight Championship. Oh, God, they're going to have Juice beat Kenta for it, aren't they? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not sure. I'd ra- I want to see Kenta versus Moxley, and I think most Japanese fans would do. But I think also... both Kenta and Moxley love striking, love submissions, and probably aren't afraid to murder each other. Yeah, I do think I want to. I want to see Juice versus Moxley again, though. I want that story to finish. I think it's already finished. It's not. Mm... I, I think they, they, left... they don't want to see the match again. I I don't mind seeing Juice versus Moxley again. I think that would be interesting, especially if you're trying to build Juice because Juice is there all the time. Moxley isn't. So I think if Mo- once like COVID goes away mm. and we can have well, or gets more controllable and we can have international travel again, Mox would be there on a daily basis if he could be. Uh. No, he has to be back for AEW tapings, which are weekly. So he the, he did the G1 last year, but they block booked him out of AEW for the month. So now he's champion. That might not be the same kind of thing. Yeah, but how long is he going to be champion for? Don't know. Guess we'll find out, won't we? Is it? <laughs> I think Mox probably personally feels more at home in Japan than in I, AEW. I think he probably earns more money in AEW, though. Maybe, just a smidge more. I mean, he's, he's never been a money person. No, true. And But he does get an awful lot of freedom. He's he's going to do the Bloodsport show this year, isn't he, as well? So I cannot wait for that. He's against Chris Dickinson. Awesome. That'll be uh, amazing. Someone's coming away with a broken nose. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure which guy it'll be. <laughs> All right, then we'll move on to the next match, which was... Evil defeated Yoshihashi, unfortunately, in 17 minutes and 21 seconds. But this story was a really interesting story because Yoshihashi's always the underdog, but he had Evil's number all ends up through the entire 17 minutes of this match. Everything that Evil did, he predicted. He just couldn't quite get the job finished, and Evil had to resort to cheating to beat Yoshihashi. This is how you get somebody over. <laughs> Where the re- hell has this Yoshihashi been the entire time? He's been like, playing a lovable loser, and you know he came down to the ringside with a mission on, and the first thing he did was attack Evil, and then attack Dick Togo, and it went from a, there. 
with the stick he's carried around all this time and never once thought, oh yes, I'm going to use this as a weapon because it's probably very good at hitting people. Well, yeah. Like, you know. This was the best Yoshihashi's looked in years. Yeah, and like, he was absolutely stunning. He should have won this. Like, I was rooting for him the entire time. Yeah. And I like evil. I might have ragged on the sort of story with him in, but this transformation's been nothing but good for him. People give a damn about him. He's more, like, intimidating than ever. And sure, he's getting wins. Not clean wins, but someone's going to be the dick in the tournament. Yeah, and Yoshi... Sorry, Karen. Just, I can't believe how compelled I was by a Yoshihashi match. Yeah. Like, this is the best he's ever looked. He was that good. Absolutely that good. In my alternative list of names uh, for wrestlers in the G1, by the way, my alternative name for Yoshihashi was Yoshihashi. <laughs> it's just he's, he's so good when he wants to be, but I don't get why he doesn't do this more often. Yeah. I don't either. I'll be honest. Just, like, just... even if you're not bucked into a lot of lot, like a lot of wins, at least put this level of performance on. Christ, what have you been hiding? Just a perfect storm, I think. He's had a good run though this summer. That that never open weight six man tag team championship has really lit a fire under him, both in a kayfabe sense as a character, but also in wrestling. His wrestling has been excellent ever since. And I think it's done him the world of good. They just needed to give him the right tournament, the right. Finally, winning a belt has meant something really important to him, and therefore the fans have bought into it. Therefore, he's kind of got fired up behind it, and that's that's brilliant, and that's what he should be doing. And let's move on to the last match we are going to look at tonight, which is Tetsuya Naito defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 28 minutes and 28 seconds. This one was a bit of a corker too. I really enjoyed this match. NATO and ZSJ are natural enemies in the wild. Being a spot-driven guy in NATO and a defensive submission wrestler in Zack Sabre Jr. So they always pull out something interesting. And this was very, very interesting. An enjoyable watch and much more of a chess game than you'd imagine. NATO trying to break down uh, ZSJ with submissions and playing it in his own game was really interesting. But a lot of this match was good storytelling and good character work on both their parts. I really enjoyed this. What did you think of this, John? I'm I'm in full agreement. Like it started off slow, and I was kind of like, "Oh, this is not what I was expecting." And honestly, again, Zach was on the back foot for so much of this match. You wouldn't again, you wouldn't have thought that, especially against Naito, where usually he sort of kept grounded, locked up sort of forced to fight back until he gets his big spots in here. It was almost the other way around. Like, Zack was the one bringing out the bigger mood because Naito was beating him in submissions. It was such an odd, bizarro world match. Yet, as you said, it was incredibly compelling to watch because there was so much character coming from both guys. Like, they were aware of what they were doing and they were like, right, let's play this up as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can't be the only one that thought this was going to go to a draw as well. It nearly did. It was only one and a half minutes away from it. I don't. This is the thing you don't. Sometimes you don't realize. Like half an hour is a long time in a wrestling match, and you sometimes don't realize how close they are to the end. Oh, I heard the countdown because it was like three minutes left, two minutes left. I'm like, oh god, is Naito actually going to get the win here, or is 
is it going to go to a draw? And, like, Knighthood only just pulled off Destino. Yeah. If this was that good, I would have been completely fine with it going to a draw. Yeah, it was exceptional. It was just... There's, there's been not no bad cards so far. There's been nights which haven't been quite as good, and this was probably one of them. But it's always been salvaged by an outstanding main event, and this was an outstanding main event. I much preferred this to stuff that's got rated higher by other people. But it's because I like NATO as a character. It's because I like ZSJ as a character. I see where they're developing and moving forward and trying to tell a story through those characters. And I think that's really important. Did you see how uncomfortable Zach looked coming down for this match? Yeah. I was kind of concerned about that. I'm like, why is he so scared? What the... He's like... not comfortable for a while through most of this tournament, to be honest with you. Because it's like... He looked kind of uncertain coming out against Evil as well. Is like something going on behind the scenes we're not aware of, or is he just trying to play up character stuff? I think probably trying to play up character stuff. Everything ZSJ does is for a reason, so yeah, we'll see. Maybe playing into something later in the tournament. Because we also remember last year, he went on the losing streak and didn't get anywhere near the final last year. Then ended up back on ten points at the end of the at the end of the tournament when he'd lost his chance. And I think maybe that that's part of it. Maybe he's lost some zing off his fastball because his confidence has been knocked from last year's G one. I mean, he hasn't exactly got Boris Johnson to worry about this time. No, unfortunately, this will not uh, further the cause of uh, socialism in a neoliberal world. I also like the fact that the M played heavily into ZSJ costing Naito in one of the previous G1s as well. Yeah. Because he the... hit the surprise Zack driver out of nowhere and just ended Naito's chances of the finals. Yeah, that was like the same thing again. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. Carol, the sorry. story was so damn good. This is a bit of a signature of New Japan matches. There was... Um, was there a match between Tanahashi and Okada that went to a 30-minute time limit draw in the G1? And then the next match they had, Tanahashi hits the same move on Okada that Okada got... got uh, right, so I'll try that again. It was a half-hour match in the G1. Tanahashi hits a move on Okada, or Okada hits a move on Tanahashi, probably more likely. And it, the referee counts one, two, and the bell goes for the end of the match because it's gone to its time limit. The next match they had four months later, Akada puts the same move on Tanahashi at 28 minutes and 58 seconds. Exactly. Christ. <laughs> and then, then Tanahashi kicks out to show that match wouldn't have ended the way you thought it would have done. It's like they do, they go so deep on their storytelling and callbacks and things that happened four months ago, and you have to remember everything. And yes. Well, that concludes our coverage for the G1 this week of our roundup. Thank you very much to my guest, Mr. John Dinsdale. Thank you kindly. It's okay. Just your schedule for this week. There will be another wrestling rewind, Dara tells me. He's had his first show for this week where him and Dave. Uh, looked at the WWE pay-per-view Clash of Champions, or Night of Champions, no, Clash of Champions it is now, isn't it? Clash of Champions, they previewed that and did some um, predictions for that. That will have happened last night, I think, as we have done this. 
Last night, I looked at night five of the G1, which happened earlier today, but we didn't have both time to watch it, so we'll do that next week, if that makes sense. And then on Tuesday will be the next today at the G1, and there'll be another Wrestling Rewind, and this show is on Monday. There we go. So many podcasts. So little time. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening today. John, where can we find you on your social media? Uh, you can find me at John Deathman on Twitter. That is kind of the gateway to everything you could find about me. Writings, coffee, things like that. All sorts of links to death matches, MLW stuff, DDT stuff, Japan stuff. Just stuff, stuff. Everything is at John Deathman on Twitter. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show at Troopany Show on Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show, and on Patreon, where you can keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Please go speak to our partners, powerslam.tv, where you can get a free month if you use the code MULLETWATCH. We have no clear leaders at the end of day four, except Torriano, who's in charge of the B block. Ooh. Take well, care. Technically, Naito's on four points as well. Yeah, I know. But it sounded better if I just said Yano was leading. Oh, <laughs> I just completely ruined your bet. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Take care, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>